Welcome to Call Your Hits, a Storm Riders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's episode is going to be a banger, as the kids say, and it might go on slightly longer than usual because I've got four guests with me today. I've got Chaz, Sam, Matt, and Eric, all former podcast guests, all Discord community members, and all great guys who also happened to attend Battle for Los Angeles 5 a few weeks ago in Victorville, California. For those who don't know, uh, BFLA is an objective-based, Milson-style event set in a fictional future where giant corporations wage war with armies of mercenaries, etc. I'm sure we'll get into some details about the storyline, though, if I know Chaz and Sam, they were not there for the lore. There was lore? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... Uh, for those who don't know, Battle for Los Angeles uh, was, is organized by Desert Fox events, run by Jet Desert Fox, who most of you would know from YouTube, and it had over 850 attendees. Uh, Eric, in particular, who is uh, the uh, founder of Gun Gamers and Gun Gamers events, uh, was the co-leader, if I understand correctly, of yes. the ERT team that ended up winning the day, and uh, therefore Sam, Chaz, and Matt were all of his uh, subordinates, directly or indirectly. Um, obviously a huge event of this kind is something that leads to tons of different perspectives, interesting moments. And so, um, it's, this is why I'm so excited and thrilled to have this distinguished panel of lads here to talk about it oh, yeah. and to go through, uh, what sounds like an absolutely fun event. So guys, thank you so much for being here. Wow. Good Thanks to be here. Oh, Thanks for having here. me. Yeah. So before we get into it, apologies to Nick who just couldn't join us today. Um, <laughs> Rip. <laughs> uh, the first question for you guys, 850 people seems like a lot of people. Was this the biggest event that you guys had ever attended playing Airsoft? Mm, I would say no. I've gone to uh, Copperhead last year was it's that same, or slightly right? more. Yeah. 850, wow. 860. Um, yeah. I've what been about to, yourself, uh, Matt? I've oh, been to two events. I mean, the last I've been to two event. events this size or similar. Okay. Uh, Guardian Center's Milsim West in 2021 <laughs> was 800 players plus cadre and like some guest stars. So that was pretty close. And then uh, Bad Blood up in the Northeast uh, was like 800 to 1,000 a couple of years I went. So obviously like a, an event of that size, number one, brings all types of players together of all backgrounds, age groups, um, and also interests. Like we, you know, I had uh, Rob from Gunfather Milsim on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he introduced me to this expression that Airsoft is a big tent and there's space for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And as a consequence of that, like you get people coming up who are like Milsim players versus LARPers versus, you know, casual players or speed QB players or what have you. So what was the player distribution like at the event from your perspective? Was it mostly like more serious or was there a, a good mix of everything? I'm going to say that the layout was almost exactly like my standard weekend skirmish. Like we had 60% really? people in camo and then maybe 20% in sort of like factional clothing, like red plaid shirts and, and uh, black jeans if they were cool and blue jeans, if they were that one dude. Uh, <laughs> And then on the other team, they would have like their uh, khaki shirts and blue jeans. And then like the last 20, 15% were, were, were goofballs. 
mm-hmm. with their regular speed setups. Uh, I saw one person wearing a tactical corset. Uh, okay. There was a ninja and a samurai. Those those kinds of people. Don't forget the some... squad of, of wizards. There was a squad of wizards. wizards. Yeah, yeah they, was they were dressed they, they very much like wizards. They were like flowing bright red robes, like cartoonishly bright. It was Sa- great. Sam, was that <laughs> was that uh, uh, Cesius in the car with you when he turned around and said, I think there's wizards behind us as we're driving. Yeah, that's what he said. Head. That's what he said. It's like the quote of the weekend. <laughs> so did it, um, I guess my question is, did it really appeal to all of those types of players or did they just happen to show up and that's what they were wearing as kit or were there opportunities to do a whole lot of that? I felt like it was a, this game was different from uh, the Lion Claws events or the uh, American Milsim events that I've gone to in the past in that it was, like you said, an open tent and there was room for everyone and all of those play styles. But I think this event also allowed for certain kits that you could never wear at a Milsim West game. You would never oh, yeah. be able to yeah, wear yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a black powder red earth kit of, of just a red t-shirt, a, uh, um, a multicam black plate carrier and black jeans. But that fit mm-hmm. perfectly at this event. It did. And that's something I really appreciate about like the Desert Fox events uniform rule set from like a design standpoint is it makes that a sandbox that you can play in with a wide variety of toys. And right. I think a lot of the way that Desert Fox events is designed is kind of to try to be that sandbox. I, I actually really, I really liked that from like a regular cosplayer point of view, the, the, the wide uh, definitions, green, red, black, go for it. And I really, really right. enjoyed that. I mean, they were, those three words were somehow difficult for some. I mean, yeah, right. Hard. The, the guy in the blue jeans. Yeah, but that I think is where you get the biggest frustration with like that high of a player count is yeah. that even if like one percent of the people who are going don't read the rules, that's still eight and a half people who didn't. Yeah, read the dude, rules. That, that's <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> okay. yeah. I was, was looking really cool. through the rules. Go ahead, Matt. It was really cool because like I love different costumes, and I changed my outfit the second day. And I was wearing shorts, and I was wearing this wonderful shirt. Call your shirts, guys. Nice. <laughs> uh, and, and I had a really great time after I dumped all my extra, like, Milsim-looking gear. And I was like, I'm just going to go do me. And I really enjoyed that, having that freedom to do that. Like, you could not at another event. Yeah, and I was looking through the through the rule set, and, I mean, it was pretty detailed. Definitely one thing that struck me is that sort of freedom of, like, this is an example of three different loadouts for ERT. Uh, these are the main colors. This is your accent colors. And then don't use these colors, which, I mean, when you're talking about no blue jeans, it's because blue is not the color you guys are supposed to be wearing, or were supposed to be wearing, I should say, uh, which clearly that did not get through to that one individual. But for the rest of them, you know, like, it gives you a lot of creative freedom. And from a game design standpoint, too, like, it allows more people to take part in the way that makes sense or that is feasible for them, both, you know, either sensibly or economically, depending on their particular situation. Or just what they're interested in. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like whatever yeah. whatever blows their skirt up, man. Yeah, totally. More skirts to and, be blown. <laughs> yeah, especially those wizards, apparently, They'll, right? Know, yeah, dude, like, the they, they look great in the wind, man. And then they'd be like, yeah. they'd be like, I'm a cadaver. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, 
what was so obviously so player count aside and i think you know the percentage that you said eric is so funny like yeah one percent but that's still eight and a half people yeah um aside from like the sheer number like what was the ao like and what like was it big enough did it feel crowded like how did that all shake out because i understand like it, it was it was a not little crowded rough in terms all. of terrain it, the yeah. terrain was very massive. rough but i mean it was it, the ao was massive i never once felt jammed up with other players i mean i we... felt more go ahead oh go ahead Jeff. oh i was gonna say you know they were roughly about the same number of players at last year's copperhead down in Playas, mm-hmm. New Mexico at the Playas Training Center. And to me, that's a smaller AO than this. This was a massive AO. Um, and it seemed to stretch and stretch. And we got into engagements. There was always somebody to fight. Um, but it didn't feel like you were like, okay, there's a crowd over here to our right. And there's a crowd of, you know, TSS to our left. And, and you know, so you had four different directions to fight in. Um, right. So it, it never felt crowded. It was like yeah, you were I, coming around a corner and there's like 40 guys just waiting for you or whatever. Well, that no, did happen. 40 but... <laughs> they, yeah. they were like spread out and they would have like machine guns across the street and they would have a line and you'd know where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say like the gunfight heavy areas felt like heavy gunfights. It felt like, you know, yeah, at least good, squad dude. on they squad so size good. engagements. Yeah. yeah. You know, most of the gunfights I got into were with like squad level at least elements there wasn't a lot of times there was like onesies twosies like trying to clear through the ao all all dynamic it was like no these are these are squad and platoon size movements like Mm -hmm. move with as many people as possible or you will just die if you have a brain in your head every time you respawn you're like there's some dudes over there let's just run with them real quick right and so you end up with like these totally awesome different squads throughout the day and i that was pretty cool just picked up many different players and you just grab people as you go. Um, you know, there was times when our squad was split. I was trying to find Steve and Sam and somehow apparently they had this app that I should have been using. <laughs> it might no have worries. helped me, but in my defense, it wasn't working for me in the morning on Saturday. Uh, yeah, and we know how you are with technology, Chaz. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, there's that too. Beat but the phone against a rock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So before work. we get into it too far into detail, I just want to understand, like, overall, at, at, a, at a higher level, like, what is the objective of the game? Like, what what is the ultimate way that Battlefield it's played? Battlefield in real life. Okay, it, so expand on that a little. Or is it like... Conquest. Um, conquest? Okay, so like holding yeah. terrain by the end of the day... Okay. So so the game is broken up. Uh, the way Desert Fox Events runs is the game is broken up into three rotations on Saturday. There's check-in before the gameplay rotations. There's also check-in on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's the three rotations Saturday, morning, afternoon, night. And then you've got the one rotation on Sunday, which is just a long day rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that those work is that each team has objectives marked out on the virtual map in the app so you open the app you know where your objectives are and you send people out to capture those objectives and whoever holds them longer bleeds the other team of tickets and whatever team has less tickets at the end of it wins or it loses excuse me yeah Uh, that's the central concept of how desert fox events runs it's very simply battlefield conquest in real life 
So you as a, and we'll talk about this in a second. So you as a commander is, are, are issuing objectives through the app and you as a frontline player, unless you're Chaz, um, are receiving your orders through the app. Is that is that how it's intended to run? Not with the current build because the current <laughs> okay. build doesn't have messaging. And okay. also the current build, what like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it straight up, like just at the beginning, I commend players for their patience with the app this last weekend because it was having a lot of major issues. Uh, but I do want to also give the app team a lot of credit that they were resolving issues like as they popped up. And by, you know, end of Sunday, like the app was relatively stable, but I treated it very much like an old school territory control airsoft game mm-hmm. where I just knew where people were and where the objectives were with an app assistant. The actual like capturing and everything was a little bit jank. It was we were able to make it work, you know, intermittently, but it was um I, I treated it like an old school airsoft game at the end of the day. And and I found the app to be functional as a map that showed you where the objectives were and where you were. So okay. like first trip out from base, we I mean, we had to use the app to figure out what even is this objective and make our way to it. So it, that functionality it worked for us and our squad. And and every time uh we were you know, team left flank, basically, uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely on the first day, we, we'd come back to base, we'd respawn, we'd be like, well, they flanked us about here. So we'll head out to there and try to outflank them some more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and it was very functional in that regard. Um, we were able to, on a rare occasion, like have the app open and see that we were claiming one of the control points. But I'd say that was the exception more than like, we, we lived and died by what it said. Yeah. What about you, Matt? What was your experience with the app? Because I know we know what Chaz uh, had kind of experience with. Uh, mine was about the same as Sam. Uh, I mean, it worked really well, really well as a mm-hmm. map because that was a big AO. It was good to have like an active map where you could see you as you were moving across. It made orienting yourself super, super duper easy. I love uh, the 3D models. But mine just said connected at the bottom all day long. Uh, <laughs> so it never actually connected. It was just connecting, sorry, uh, yeah. through the whole day. And it's so... Like it, I couldn't do my my hit button and like any of that stuff, but it was great for like seeing where I was. Uh, gotcha. Now they said that great. there were certain features of the. the yes, uh, hats off to the to the deployment team of the of the app, but they rolled it out Saturday morning. Yes, you got yeah. you, that. That should never have happened. That should have been done Friday night. Um, at the latest, but um, I also heard that even though it said you were connecting, you were connected. And so there were certain things, you know, it, it may have been capturing a point, you know, or capturing the, mm-hmm. the, the, the control point, but you didn't know you had no so, feedback on it yeah, and they disabled at- a bunch of the functions of it. Yeah, as uh, as someone who was like in on a lot of the development talk and I was doing some of the consulting uh, on Friday night too as we were testing it with the app team. So essentially what happened is the old app team ghosted Desert Fox events. Like the guys who built the original Blue Fox tracker, that's why it's a totally new app because mm-hmm. they just totally ghosted them and they had to scramble to find a new team. And I think that team... Uh, you know, should have absolutely had a build ready earlier. Uh, and then this wound up being basically a torture test of it, which is, yeah. uh, which is, 
which is why at the end of the day, like as I was seeing it, I'm like, well, I'm not going to force people to bog down and like use this app. So I really, I really tried to use it as just a guideline, but apparently, yeah, a lot of what was broken was on the user side because it was such a wide variety of hardware it was being deployed onto. Again, all of this testing could have been done well ahead of time. Uh, I, that may be related to the fact that I don't know when this new team was hired because I don't know when the old team ghosted them. So, yeah. you know, did the but, app did the app work? Not as intended. But uh, it's like that old saying, right? Like no plan survives first contact with the enemy, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. But despite that, it sounds... Okay, firstly, it doesn't sound like it ruined any of your days. Like I think, you know, the app not working was, you know, well, you it's let. probably just a footnote, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, so, no, it was good enough, like, because there were enough, like, active that a squad-sized element had a useful map, and that was right, all exactly. that really mattered to us, right? It worked that far, and yeah. then the rest of the day was just like, whoosh. So, yeah. Eric, from your standpoint, as the war boss, the mm-hmm. uh, head honcho, the big cheese, or I guess the co-big cheese uh, in this in this situation. Well, shout out Spencer. Like, we've said my name a lot in this podcast, but, like, Spencer was the other ERT war boss. The usual breakdown is I was officially I was the task force commander, mm-hmm. whereas then Spencer was the ground force commander. And the way that's usually broken down is that like the task force commander will be like someone notable or like an influencer or whatever. And they'll be like, OK, well, we'll give that person one side control. And then like the ground force commander will be Milsom West Cadre. Right. Um, Because this is like, you know, joint venture between Jet and Milsom West. So like Josh and Brian help run it. Uh, There's a bunch of Milsom West cadre there. Uh, And then on the other side, it was Jenny Lin on the uh, as the commander, task force commander for TSS. And then Sean Prozen uh, from Milsom West as the uh, as the ground force commander. Um, So Spencer, how did you and Spencer organize yourselves uh, in terms of your own leaders, like your own like leadership teams that you were then applying uh, throughout the day? Uh, so both of us are very used to like the Milson West style of organization because uh, those are like the games we predominantly do that type of stuff for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had to find a way to ad hoc toss it together in less than 24 hours. Okay. Uh, where normally, like, I would have had full email contacts, rosters, everything. Like, that's what I would use for my games and for uh, Milsom West. So for this, I was just showing up. I was literally just walking around the parking lot. I had a QR code on my phone. I was walking <laughs> up to people and saying, hey, do you guys want to get in the ERT Discord? And I got, like, 130 players almost into the Discord uh, by Saturday. Wow. Okay. And so then how did you manage... Because you mentioned the app was, you know, like, okay, you were beta testing yep. it basically, right? I, I, um, I told people up front, I'm like, hey, app is giving us these problems. I know where the objectives are. I'm going to, like, help you guys coordinate a plan and know where to hold. So I started using streets as right. uh, as our, like, firing lines. And Spencer, like, I would just run things by Spencer as he was back there. But we tried to alternate where he would be out and then I would be back. Then I would be back and or then I would be out and then he would be back. You know, same type of thing. Right. Uh, And did you have like, I guess my last question is like, did you mm -hmm. organize yourself like in a tree? Like, did you have people underneath you who had people underneath them and stuff like that? Okay. And so that was what I tried to impose uh, at at day, like at the day of, I put in the discord, all the pre-planning stuff uh, and then just had like, Hey, if you want to read up, it's in this channel on the discord. And then the day of people knew what I was talking about when I said, Hey, I want 
this section, people who want to go left, you're section one. Uh, people who want to go in the middle, you're sections two and three. People who want to go right, you're section four. Uh, so you guys just pick your buddy squad leaders, put them all on radio channel, this, 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 and this for each section, and then have two people from each section on this radio channel for command. And that was like as much as I was able to crash course. And 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 I ended up the guy for section one. Mm-hmm. And so I was yep. on the I was on the command net all day. Go go ahead, Eric. Tell us how. And how did that go for went. you? <laughs> uh, I, I think mean, we established that airsofters don't know how to use radios. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh so, my goodness! That so, is a so shock. <laughs> Real dropping some bombs here. So, so the stuff. the command net. I was. Um, I'm used to uh, AMS games, and I've been on the platoon net which um i would say was more organized than our command net and i would try to report into eric um you know what i was seeing what was happening on the left like i said he said section one was on the left so we were left flank we tried to hold true to that our squad at least tried to hold true to that we went so left we were so very left yeah we found the edge of the ao we did it was an asset that i was (laughs) left-handed <laughs> any any further left and you were going off the field right well like our we may have tri- been out of bounds <laughs> our, our first trip out we made it all the way to their side of the map north of their yeah. fob and we're about to pinch in you know when when finally they were like oh we should kill those guys yeah. um, <laughs> i looked later we were less than 100 yards from their spawn at that point wow yeah and and I'd say first trip out was like the only time section one was really all that organized. We probably had 50 solid dudes that were paying attention to me telling them where to go and what to do. Um, we had a very, very simple, uh, it was, uh, it was, okay, we're going to the leftmost objective. And if we run into any contact, flank lefter, more left. Mm-hmm. Um, very simple. And actually everybody followed it to a T we let, we went so hard left. Like we said, we ended up a hundred yards from their fob first trip out, but the command net, uh, I was a little disappointed. I would report into Eric, um, where we were, how our, how our objective was going. And every time I die, I tell him I was headed back to base. And, uh, and every time I saw Eric, he would tell me where to go next. And it was mostly left. Because right. I would tell him, hey, there's a platoon side as element about here on the left. He's like, cool, go kill that. And so that's what I would do. Um, and then it was and, funny because I would be standing next to Sam. And then we would all hear the next part of his story. Is we were all like getting ready to rush people. I want you to all envision this, that we were all like in a stack right next to Sam as he continues his story about the command net, listening to it from his shoulder. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah. So you're hearing that in at the same time as he's hearing it, basically, yeah. is what you're saying, right? Yeah. And I would keep I would keep the command net on a on a you know loud, not a loudspeaker, but you know a shoulder mic instead of in yeah. my ear, so everybody around me could hear it. So if I died, they knew what to do. Uh, it never really came to that because the command net never really told us what to do. We yeah, did command, hear about your guy was who so was like, messy. "I'm I'm in this building. I'm going to the next building," and that was literally what he would radio. We heard one man's adventure all day as he went through. <laughs> well, he was yeah. narrating the whole time. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It was it was great communication if he had been in a fire team and not on the command. Yeah. Right, right, right. He's like, there's guys by that tree. Oh, good. Yeah. Thanks. I presume yeah, there was yeah. only one tree then. Is that right? <laughs> no. Oh, no. There were plenty <laughs> of trees, but... 
I mean, most and that's where you dead. run into the limitations of trying to impose that level of organization so ad hoc, yeah. where you know you've just got people then who are like what normally would be very critical cogs in that kind of machine who have never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it ultimately winds up where literally like I wasn't even getting anything useful out of the command net. So I just spent most of the day using it as like, okay, well, if there's a ceasefire, I'll echo it through that. And that'll be, <laughs> that'll be how I let people know the game's over. Cause like it was impossible to get a hold of people otherwise. Yeah. It was pretty so hard. Chaz, were you rolling, were you rolling with Sam all day and just listening to uh, the command net uh, kerfuffle through his loudspeaker? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we would many yeah, times turn we, it off. We stayed. Yeah. It, it, it got pointless at a, at a, I will say our squad, our squad comms were great. I thought, yeah, um, it had been nice if oh. Matt had been a little more functional and Cesius had ever turned on his radio in a functional way. But he bent his antenna. Yeah, yeah. the, the three the of us that were on were really, really solid. I thought and and did it at the right level. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so after my, you... my go ahead, Matt. After my radio went down the first day, because I'll admit, like I was exchanging fire on a hill and I roll on my back and suddenly through my earpiece I hear uh, buttons unlocked. I'm like, oh no. And about two seconds later, I hear the local weather and that was the end of comms for me for that day. Nice. Nice, yeah. So were you were did, were you playing together like on the same squad during the day, Matt, Chaz, and, and Sam? So I, I'm curious because I mean you had never well, like I was saying at the start, like Chaz and Sam, you guys have played together, of course, in the past. But so you guys met through the Discord, right? Uh, which is still really uh, it's amazing, but I just I can't believe it. But that's beside the point. Um, how was that? Like how how was it in terms of preparing together remotely for an event like that, and then hitting the field with someone who you'd never played before like how did y'all how did y'all sort of interact on the day of i think um matt asked me he's like what are you guys wearing and we're like green okay cool and that was the end of it (laughs) (laughs) that that was our preparation i'm like yeah are you guys staying at a place and like yeah we're doing a verbo i'm like i'm in dope yeah nice yeah it was pretty funny uh about the verbo is so I told my wife, I was like, yeah, we all know each other. Well, except for the one guy we met on the internet. And she was like, what? What are you doing? You're staying in a house with some dude on the internet. And then not long after we all got together at the house, um, Matt was like, yeah, my wife was really freaked out about me staying with people from the internet. I was like, okay, I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Hey? The equal level of fear from each other. Um, it turned out to be a great weekend. I think oh, we yeah. all bonded so so well. It was it was it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, like, we we had, we had really we had really enjoyed our time there. I think I enjoyed like we had dinner each night together, and I really enjoyed that. That was great. We had drinks. Yeah, the dinners were nice. Um, yeah, I didn't really get to hang to... out with you guys too much. Sadly, well, you were was... you're an officer shouldn't right. You need to hold yourself <laughs> above. You yeah, yeah, hold yourself <laughs> above and, uh, and, and yeah, really your management, Eric. <laughs> Really right iron now. out your brevity terms for the command net. Yeah, that's what you really need to focus on. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. wow. If you, I uh, tried if, to tell people that if it didn't fit in a tweet, they shouldn't send it, and no one listened. <laughs> <laughs> that's Just, the best. Oh, my God. That's, that's no, that's, that's the best thing I've ever heard about a radio transmission. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah if it doesn't yeah. fit in a tweet, don't send it. But seriously, that one guy was living his best life <laughs> on the radio <laughs> on the command net 
um, actually Matt fit in with our play style really, really well. Like we didn't even really have to talk about it that much. Um, yeah. And we, let's be honest, guys, we kind of had the older, mature thinking squad. We had like one 22 year old or whatever he is Marine, but yeah. he's used to working with a group in the Marines. Yeah, no, no. He, he was just like, oh, it's a squad. Let's go. Yeah. He's like, it's yeah, it's a squad. We know what to do. Um, great comms, uh, both verbal um, hand signals, even when we needed to use them and on the radios um, really, really made the event for me. Like our little group, the way we, we always, you know, when one of us was dead, we'd go back to base and communicate and, and collect back up. We did lose Matt on Sunday. Sorry, Matt. Um, Damn. And so then it was a little bit more by... hectic. Rip. And uh, we, we lost we lost Ryan, so it, like the squad was a little smaller, so it was a lot easier to get lost somehow. Yeah. I've um, heard that happen um, just out of curiosity at other events where like on the second day people don't really show up. Is that something that happened at this event or was it was it different? To an extent. Oh, oh yeah, I'd say we have like maybe two thirds the second day. It, okay. If yeah. that. It was a late arriving crowd for sure. <laughs> yeah, everybody partying definitely on showed night, up then, is it? just barely. Yeah. Yeah. And it was yeah. A, it was a lot more I would say both uh, like like silly on Sunday but also like a lot more brutal because they pared it down to three capture points instead of two. And there was a straight line of like machine guns and DMRs and it was nasty. And there was a space in between. You and and that was the game where literally I was just like, okay, Washington street, that's our firing line. Just go there and don't let them move past because all of the objectives were like a hundred yards behind Washington street. Okay. I didn't even know they had names. Uh, yeah. We missed <laughs> that order. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I was I was telling I was like passing it around as I could and telling people it's just like there was so much going on that you know you're trying to manage how many people and like you're trying to work within how many groups that whole yeah. thing was a whew. it's so interesting because you talk you think a lot about how like you see that in war movies all the time I'm like oh communication lines are down and stuff like that and like lines don't need to be down people just don't, don't communicate talk. like period. Yeah. Right. So like you have all the tools at your disposal and it's still a complete nightmare. So yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. Like from that standpoint, like as an event organizer, that is also not just like as a commander, but also trying to run an event like that, that must be something that when you're thinking about how you're trying to structure your day is, is a hurdle for you. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, you're, you're always trying to figure out how to control the flow of information and you know, that's why we have a fully staffed chain of command for like our games that we run. And that's why like Milsim West has the same thing because mm -hmm. otherwise you're trying to rely on people who you don't know their level of experience. You haven't vetted for them at all. And, and you, and you don't know like who's good at what and how much on the same page or what the SOPs are. So that's when like trying to impose that level of structure and trying to manage that it, it turns into like a very big challenge. So it's uh I think, you know, overall, we had enough of a cohesive unit that we were able to, I mean, we <clears throat> we played really, really well as like a whole a whole team, like generally. Well, you speaking. had these three clowns, so that's already, you're already pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and those three clowns, like then were responsible for helping to organize like 40 to 60 of the people right. that were there. And so if you just have three clowns who could be trusted with 40 to 60 and you have that like four times over you've most of the team yeah i gotta say i was gonna say a full circus but yeah <laughs> for for being a full circus as we discussed yeah. earlier yeah. Uh, almost everybody's willing if you're like hey you you and you you want to go squad up and just let's let's go take the point real quick like almost you'd be like 
yeah, let's do it. I'm going with yeah. you right now. Yeah. yeah. All you have to do is keep people motivated. I have to say, I really enjoyed the player base. Um, everywhere I went, everybody on both sides, alive, dead, or, or otherwise, super good natured. And, 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 and I'd, I'd roll up to three guys huddled down behind cover and I'd be like, Hey, what do you see? What are we doing? And they just tell me the whole situation and we'd come up with a plan and move on it. Right. So, and it didn't matter who they were. It was really, uh, that part of it was really enjoyable. Yeah. It was was awesome. Like I ended up clearing house with two of the wizards and then like a dude with a saw and then like three dudes with MP5s. And I'm like, where did all of you even come from? They're like, we're going, guy. Let's go. And I'm like, cool. Sam and I, was it the first day or the second day, Sam, where it was like us and we were pushing through a house and going from house to house and getting closer and closer to the capture point. But there were just the two of us and we just kept pushing toward it. And then suddenly... There was another a bunch guy. of guys in film, and then right? another guy and another guy, and suddenly we had a squad. But then, you know, so we pushed. We got to the the capture point. We took the the point, and then we knew we needed to push one more house or one across the street just to push them back and keep them away from it, um, because yep. you can't really you don't really control the point. You control the area in front of the point is is your best right. defense of it. And so we were doing that, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Sam gets hit or I got hit, and we had to return to the fob. But as we were leaving, the infill behind us was just – it just kept surging, and it just felt like this this thing that – I can't say that we started it, but um, – but it but it, it felt good to walk away from it because we knew we were leaving it in really good hands. Well, yeah, I mean, we made. Yeah. You say you can't say you can say all day that we didn't start it, but we did because we were at the very point of that left, and we were putting fire on the very first elements of them at the very beginning of the day, and then they held through the day as we, like you said, when we saw more people pulling into where we were. When I died, I saw two guys take my spot. It was great. Yeah, it's it interesting really because Eric Eric said, you know, like it's all about keeping the player motivated, which I definitely agree. And I th- but I think there's also a part there around showing by example, right? So it's not just about motivating them, but it's like, hey, we did this thing, and you can do this thing too. And for especially for those airsofters that maybe don't have the same level of confidence in their personal skills or what have you, you know, they're going like, oh, they did that. Okay, I'll follow suit. And to your point, Chaz, like once you leave because you get hit or whatever, you're like, okay, well, it's much better in much better shape than it was when we got here. So we can feel comfortable that you know we're leaving in good hands. We can go go do something else. But I- I'm curious, like. Huge event like that, players of all kinds, whether you're talking about guys doing Milsim, LARP, every point in between. What did you think of the overall, like I would say, average player skill level? Was it sort of what you expected, about what you expected, or better overall? Because we harp a lot on the channel about, you know, doing your ready ups and working on your personal skills and stuff like that. Clearly, most of these people aren't watching our channel, and that's fine. Um, but, like, how did, well, they should, yeah, well, thank you for saying so. <laughs> um, but, like, what did you find that player skill level like? And should people really be doing more ready ups ultimately is where I'm getting at. Dude, it was, I would say it was like the caliber of player was definitely a step above your weekend skirmish. Like anybody who was dedicated yeah. enough to come out to this, like even I met a few dudes who was like their very first thing, but they were, they were ready and good to go. And, and, and like they were a step above your, your average, let's go do this on a crazy weekend renter. Right. Like it was, it was right. 
at the very like the worst player I met out there was like middling on an average skirmish. There were a couple wow, okay. guys that I ran into that I had to you know explain how to weave Molly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, Dude, that's gonna... just a thing, bro. <laughs> the Molly to weave is my point. Right? <laughs> it, it just seems like you know. There was that, but uh, there were a couple young guys there. That that point at which, and it was it was. I watched the video today. Uh, Matt is goes around this corner. Him and I we got separated. I think uh, Sam and, and the other guys were to our right, and of course we were going left as go left. as the squad would do. Go left or yeah, go left. Um, and so we did. Matt steps out and does this great. I said I said to him. What do you see? And all of a sudden, Matt goes, oh, and just falls back on the ground. Just bam on on the deck. And I'm like, I okay, turned around the corner. There was a sniper. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And as I went to draw on him, I got to hear on him. And then I saw the BB. I'm like, oh. And it went, pop. And I went, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and I captured it all on video. It was It was actually pretty funny. Because I said, oh, that's what you see. And he flops down. And so I'm like, well, don't do what he just did because I'll end up the same. And then it turns into this bizarre thing where this guy comes out and the wind that morning was fairly horrendous. It was blowing from the West. Um, and I was kind of angling West Northwest. And this guy is about 150 feet away, well within the range of my gun. And I know I'm well within the range of his gun. And we're shooting at each other, and nobody's hitting each other. Um, yeah, yeah. No amount of skill is going to fix that wind. Well, yeah. Well, it sounds it like was, Newfoundland. It was sounds pretty like rough. It was pretty rough. <laughs> and then the guy starts doing this. He's like, "I was putting him close, but you know, he starts like duh, 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 duh. he's dancing and he's shaking his butt." Oh. And I'm like, "Oh, okay, it's on." And so, <laughs> he, if he was here, I shot here, and eventually he goes. And raises his hand and pulls his dead rag up, and I lost it. <laughs> I just <laughs> lost awesome. him. And, and then I congratulated him and gave him the thumbs up for, for it. But um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was fun. So the the the, the player's skill level was there. Uh, in that same moment, there was another two kids we were with, and I could tell they were younger. Um, not you know maybe this was their first milsim experience. Uh, mm -hmm. and I knew Matt had just got shot and I knew I was going to try to figure out what was going on around the corner of the building. And so I told one of them to get back into the corner. There was this uh, juniper bush thing and he was just wearing olive drab, just green, green. And I was like, you with the AK stuff yourself into this corner because if I die and come around he the went, corner, Ugh! You're going to hose them all down. Like, you're my backup. You're going to take care of this. And he did it. He shoved himself back there. And, uh, it, 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 you know, it was it was fine. And he, and he stayed there and held the position until it was obvious. And then I – some more guys came around the corner and they just lit me up. Um, and, you know, so, yeah, I think, the, I think the player level was pretty good overall. I did um... – clue somebody into the modern invention that is a hop up <laughs> oh wow okay okay i think there was a guy we were standing shh, shh, that's a secret 
we're standing <laughs> yeah. there before the game started on Sunday, and he's like, yeah, my gun's not shooting that well. And I pick I it up, it. and the BBs are just dropping. And I just turned up his hop-up, and, and he must have been shooting like .2s or something because his range was still, in my regard, pretty pitiful. But I got it to where it was at least doing something, and I handed it back to him, and he's like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. He was, was totally like, blown away. <laughs> wow. Now, I, I want to kill my, some people, my, buddy. Go kill some people. <laughs> yeah, really. Oh, he was phenomenal. Uh, my my point of view from Chas's story after I fell is I watched him. I turned over after I fell, right? Like, because dude shot me in the forehead, and I watched Chaz shoving this kid, and I mean, he was like <laughs> this tall. Me, he grabs his olive drive kid and he's like, get in there. And this kid <laughs> has an RPK, right? And I'm like, you know what? Do it. And he's, he disappears, and I just barely see the barrel, and like fantastic juniper bush and everything. And I see Chaz go, he was, and he used his other buddy too. Like Chaz is underplaying it. He grabbed the other guy and he's like, now go out this way. And he like did a beautiful maneuver with him. It was just unlucky. Like the, the guys came around at the wrong moment. No, yeah. no, he was using his assets. He turned those two dudes who no experience, obviously into effective fighters just by being like, Hey guys, come on. Good guy, Chaz shoving kids around the airsoft field. Well, and that was the whole thing I was really trying to focus on, like in the lead up to the event, like in the discord and in like talking to players, you know, my goal, because the player's skill level is all over the place, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got 850 players for, I would say it's a parabola, right? Like on yeah. average, you probably had a pretty average to high average level player. And then you had like your spread of guys who were on the lower end of the, your spread of guys who were on the higher end. Like, you know, there was a good number of people I see at like a lot of Milsim West games and know they're really good at airsoft there. Uh, but you you have that spread and you don't know who is in that spread. So the better way to flatten that spread a little bit is just be like, hey, you guys who know what you're doing, like just go work with the people who don't know what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly like, right. You're not you and your guys. Like I think I said, like right before the day, I'm like, none of your groups are badass enough to take on 400 people by yourself. Like, yeah. like yeah. none of you are that cool. You're not John Wick. So, yeah. so then I was just telling these guys, like, hey, let's just work with everybody. I think, like, you know, obviously the more experienced players, that's review. Like they know that. But the guys who are not as experienced and maybe aren't in that mindset, they hear that type of thing and like. Oh, yeah. Well, let's give that a shot. Yeah. Well, you know, and that, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think you're you're totally right. Like it's it's a team game, and like yes, the game is 850 attendees, but whether it's 85 and it's 40 aside, or whether it's 850 and 400 aside, like you can be a great team, but like you can't take on a force that's you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times your size. It's just not. Well, you you might think you can, right? You might but be able I'll, to for a bit. Yeah, exactly. But like, ultimately, like you really need to to collaborate, right? And uh, to your point, like if you take the people who you're like, okay, you guys, you're hot shit. You guys are soup sandwiches. We're going to put you together. And that way you're sort of like bringing everything sort of back on the level or at least a little bit. And it certainly sounds like it's the, that sounded like that, the kind of environment where that type of interaction is, is, is sought after. Yes. Right. Not just by the like the rock stars who are really trying to help the team, but also by the people who are there who know their soup sandwiches who are like, yes, please help me. Right. They're like, oh, this is my first game. I need direction. OK, yeah, here's some direction. And we talked about, you know, the costuming and the and the openness of that. I actually think that really helps it. So everybody mm-hmm. sees everybody wearing goofy stuff and, and kind of relaxed. 
And I mean, I had a lot of what, what appeared to be very green, you know, first big event players. When I got dubbed as, you know, section one, go left, they just came up to me and they're like, what do you want me to do? And, um, I was like, you guys just stay with us. We're going to go to the objective. We're going to do this thing. And I had actually a pretty young kid who like kind of self-designed himself, my bodyguard. And I actually, <laughs> I clued into what he was doing. He was just staying real close to me. And I, and I actually was like, Hey, you, you're on me, come with me. And so when we got up to a Ford, we got way ahead of our kind of our big body of guys because Chaz and our crew really took going left to heart and I ended up, you know, trying to go straight for the objective. And I ended up with just this guy. And I was like, hey, you stay on me, you know, cover me, look in all the directions. And I'm going to try to take a few steps back and see what our crew is doing. And and kiddo just did it. I mean, he just went for it. Um, we both died. <laughs> 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 but I mean, and we walked back to FOB and we talked and stuff and we respawned together. And, and I was like, hey, we're going to go join back up. Let's do this again. Um, I really thought it was awesome that uh, that some of the newer people were willing to to be open to the idea of taking orders. Um, and then I never saw anybody talk down to anybody or heard any negativity no. um, at no, all. That's I, awesome. I had great yeah. – and everywhere I went, I'd, I'd, like I said, just show up with randos and be like, hey, what's going on? And they'd just tell me like we were old buddies, you know? Um, really that vibe of the event was, I'd say the pleasant surprise for me, because as a guy coming from Colorado, pretty small airsoft community, Mm -hmm. California kind of, maybe I just built it in my own head, had a reputation of like, probably some people that could be real jerks when they want to be. And I encountered none of that on, on either side uh, of the, of the event. That's awesome. And I, I think about that kid too, and his perspective, I had this conversation with Jimmy from Nomad because he was saying like, he, you know, he was in the military, but like, he was just like, he did three years or whatever. He didn't do any of the cool guy stuff or whatever. But I'm like, when you run into a piece of cover and grab some random airsofter who has a machine gun and you're like, Hey, we're going to machine gun together. I need you to lay down a, you know, like a sector or whatever. And that person is like, this is the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Right. Some army guy is who is like super legit, even though he doesn't think he's legit in my eyes, he's super legit. And so this kid in this, in this scenario is like, wow, I was rolling with this huge celebrity, Sam, he's been on call your hits. Three <laughs> and like, he, I was his bodyguard all day and we did all this work and like all joking aside from his perspective, he's like, that might be the coolest thing he's ever done. Yeah. Right. And to you, it's like, oh yeah, that was fun. It was neat or whatever. But to them, that's like, it's almost a formative moment in their, in their time playing yourself, which is super, super cool. Real quick. I would also not diminish the effect that has on like you having that moment as well. Like you've got. Oh, you know, yeah. You've got that kid with you and you remember that moment. You think like, oh, that was really cool that we got to play together. And and stacking those bricks builds the wall upon which the beautiful mural of Airsoft rests, right? Like, like Obviously, that one moment with those two new kids made an impression on not just Chaz, but me. And I was dead at the time watching him yeah. do this. And I'm like, this is awesome. Lying there yeah. as a corpse. I'm like, this is the best moment of Airsoft. Like, that's the and reason like, we do this is to I was just going to say that. Isn't that not why we do this? Like, you know, yeah, getting kills and stuff is all fine. But I think at least for me, I can speak for myself later in my, uh, you know, as I, as I get on in age, let's call it like, yeah, getting kills is great. But like those moments are way more impactful for me. Like that's what I carry with me. Right. So that's really, really cool. I'm curious, oh. like 
what are some other standout moments for you guys? Like when you think back to this event in particular, and maybe we can start with Eric, like, especially from your point of view as a commander, like when you think back to, to uh, BFLA five, like, Oh God, what's the standout for you? Uh, it's not related to the game at all. Uh, if you want one related to the game, I can give you one of those, but the one not related to the game is riding around all weekend with Spencer and Sean, just listening to different black metal bands, some of which I'd heard of and some of which I hadn't. And I literally have a list in my phone now of just all these black metal bands I have to check out. <laughs> nice. That's, That's hilarious. Nice. What about you, Chaz? What's the, what's the thing you're going to carry from, from BFLA as you think back on it? Um, I, I think the, the camaraderie, making friends with somebody you made on the internet, um, that was, the game was fun. It was hilarious. And it was, you know, dangerous to be in those buildings. You know, every male in the place was pointed up, you know, we'll okay. ready yeah. to step on it. But the dinners we had, those, those two nights, Friday night and, and then Saturday night, those were fun. Those were, I think, as fun to me as the uh, as the game was. Um, and, you know, meeting Matt and um, actually hanging out and talking to Cesius, our 22-year-old Marine. Um, you know, he's from Colorado. He's now out in, where, Pendleton or somewhere like that. Uh, but uh, we don't get to see him much anymore. But But actually just chatting with him. You know, uh, he's he's mm-hmm. younger than my son, so. Uh, but, like, yeah, seriously, dinner like, both nights, uh, yeah. top notch. Like nothing, oh, yeah. really yeah. fancy, well, but uh, that that was the cherry on top of the weekend for me. It was, it was, and they were just right. Like we didn't even have a disappointing meal. It was, it was so nice. And like even the next morning, like the highlight for me of these the the Verbo gang was like when we were all getting ready in the morning and all checking our gear, and I'm like. This is so cool. Like all my buddies around me, I'm like, oh, Chas needs this fucking, uh, this, this, oh, excuse me. Chas needs this uh, pouch that I have, right? Uh, or like, oh, Steve needs a battery. I brought extra Steve lipo batteries battery, just yeah. in case. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was so great. And they're like, like, like squatting up in the morning, just working on our stuff yeah. together. It was great. So Steve, uh, he he's actually really good friends with, um, um, oh, dang it. I forgot his name. The, the guy that owns Balahek Airsoft. Um, Swamp Sniper? Yeah, he's he's legitimate. He used to work there, and he's really good friends with him. He's like, oh yeah, uh, uh, we we were just texting, you know, just just this morning. Awesome. Uh, and he he learned. Sam and I are deep into teching our guns. Like, we just they're all fixed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't believe you. Continue. No, that's actually a mural back there. <laughs> Um, but, but we're, you know, that nothing has been left untouched. Sam, uh, not Sam, but Steve, on the other hand, learned this from a uh, swamp sniper in that you don't touch the gun. You don't let the magic fairy dust out of it. You can <laughs> yeah, still change Steve. stuff on the outside. He hasn't even changed the bucking in this gun. Wow. You know, he buys an expensive gun and he uses it and uses it and uses it. Same uh, thing I do. And uh, uh, so he's, you know, he's continuously giving me crap because my my MP5K that I built specifically to do this role of being able to slam a 1500 round mag on the bottom of it and just hose people down indoors full auto, which 
you know, I never get to do that. I never get to wear the class rules. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, that was going to be an overpowered gun. That was, and, and I, I fell victim to, to, you know, other people running that gun, but, um, (laughs) yes, you know, and then, and then the darn thing just went right after the first engagement. Um, I, I, you know, I guy comes around the corner, I go to pull it and it's like nothing dead. Oh my god! Um, yeah, super sad. There's no fixing a gun at that at that stage. Yeah, um, really. So just go back and change it. But but um, just dealing with you know, and then Steve giving me crap about the whole thing. They're like, like an old married yeah, couple. You... Those two. Yeah. <laughs> that's the sense I'm getting. Yeah, we, we drove. Yeah, it was it was a slightly less than two thousand miles. From, wow. Which is funny, by the way, because you can't tell, but Chaz is a taller dude, and Steve's like, yay big. Oh, yeah. And then, then they yes. go together, around together, like like the, like the Mutt and Jeff. robots from Portal. That's, that's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. I mean, it, him and I get along great, um, but, <laughs> but he's just giving me so much crap about, it's like, that's why you don't open up the gun. That's why, you know. <laughs> and he learned that from, from Swamp Sniper. But uh, uh, I, I think I got to say about Steve is he's by far our most tact, tactful, tactful, tact, I can't say it, most thinking guy out there. Like we're like, we, we're like out there, we're in the middle of a firefight and we're like, Steve, we're going to go flank him left. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, to flank him left? He goes, but to what end? And I was like, yeah. well, I, well, and he's like, if you, st-, and he was like, if you stay here, you hold this position, they can't ever get this control point. So just stay here stay safe and shoot at him. And I was like, well, that's no fun. He was right, Steve. He was totally right. And he was like, you don't know what's over there. There could be a hundred guys around that corner. You don't know. And I was like, yeah. dang it, Steve, talking the sense, making me stop. <laughs> and then, you know, that's actually how I got separated the second day as I was hanging out with Steve. And he's like, we're just going to hold this point. And I'm like, bro, I know that you like to bunt all day, but sometimes I want to swing for the fences. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same same thing on sunday i'm like in this building i was like oh they're in that next building we got to get in that building and he's like why we just hold we just shoot at him and hold him there and i was like steve i'm gonna go get in that building he goes you know uh frontal attack on an entrenched enemy it's 75 percent losses i then proceeded (laughs) to prove him absolutely correct a hundred percent of course you did i remember that assault i died twice that the second part of the day when we switched um uh, uh, spawn points with the other team. Um, yeah, and then we Steve was left. the only one to get out alive <laughs> of the building. There was yeah. a building across. Well, the Wait, you guys flanked left that second game, but the left side from that perspective was different from the left side oh, of the yeah. other perspective. That's Radical. how we saw the whole map. Is we literally flanked left in a full circle. Yeah. Just that two was, story that buildings. Was, that was my logic of like, oh, I can keep the sections areas of responsibility the same because that technically with the spawn moves, it's a new area. That's yeah, totally it was totally new. Was, yeah, it was, we found <laughs> new no, ways to die. I can't yeah. complain. Oh, yeah. we, that's how we saw <laughs> the whole AO. I saw every inch of it as we spiraled mm-hmm. around it to the left. Yeah. <laughs> so, Eric, I know you shared your your favorite memory about uh, driving around listening oh, yeah, to yeah. Uh, the Black Metal and the Emperor and uh, whatever else, uh, other Black Metal bands I'm not familiar with. Um, oh, dude, but- Sky Eater is Spencer's band. Uh, shout out Spencer's band, Sky Eater. Uh, they're really, really good if you're into like ethereal, cosmic-sounding, black and doom metal. 
I will add it to the list, Sky Eater. But that being said, so let's let's focus on the old Plasto Blasto yes, as of it course. is. Sorry, uh, but no, <laughs> what is thinking about like the actual airsoft gameplay for you? Yeah. What is the standout moment for you from uh, from BFLA? I would say the standout for me at BFLA in terms of gameplay was probably the night game because I ended up playing the entire night game, which is why I let Spencer get a lot of trigger time on Sunday because I felt bad he uh, he didn't get to do anything at night. But I brought this this couple of guys out, and the night game had like a lot less players than the day game. So mm-hmm. a lot of the field ended up feeling pretty empty. And I just bring these couple of guys, and we go for the leftmost control point, and we just sit on it. And I just go around to these guys, and I'm like, all right, we're going to set up in the second story of these buildings just inside the control point with fire facing down. And when they come to capture it, it's going to be a kill box. It's going to be awesome. And... We proceeded to sit there for the first 15 minutes with no sign of anybody coming for us, period, at all. And it was coming into the last hour of the game. So I said to, to the, all the guys there, I'm like, hey, man, you know, I know there's like an actual gunfight going on somewhere near the middle. So if you want to like go to that and have fun for the last hour, go do that. So two of the guys left and one of them was just like, ah, I don't have nods or anything. I'll stay with you. I have my night vision. I have my PBS 14. Um so we're like, okay, cool. So we set up in this apartment on a second story. I've got windows facing one way, and I've got the stairwell to my rear that you can't see me from, but I would hear anyone coming up it. And then this other guy is facing, you know, a whole other area of approach and direction, and I could, like, call him out and get him there and just turn the courtyard into a kill box if someone tried to come for the point. And we proceeded to sit there 45 minutes and saw nobody. Nice. <laughs> And and it was just, like, my favorite moment because I was literally, like, watching out. I had just barely poked my head up above this windowsill. And I'm just looking at, like, I could see people approaching. I could see IR light in buildings. I'm watching people move tactically, like, toward the point. And I'm like, they're going to find it any 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 minute now. They're going to find it. They're going to end up in this courtyard, and we're going we're gonna to shoot them. And then it came to 15 minutes left of the game, and nobody had found it. And and I th- I can only guess that like they weren't they they weren't on the apps. They didn't know where the objectives were. Oh. So maybe they like just didn't even realize they had walked right by something they were supposed to take. But then me and the guy who were there eventually with 15 minutes left, they were like, "All right, well, we're just gonna walk around." And the place was empty. Everybody had walked off. Me and this guy, along with like two other people, were the last people on the field. Did you nice? And you made a friend for life. What's that? Did you fire a BB at all? During the night game, I I did some shooting for the first bit of it. Uh, I went out and I did a movement and I like fought in the center for a bit. Uh, I was trying my hand at passive aiming to support white light. uh, But I wound up just using primarily white light when I actually got into engagements. Uh, so I, I got a few kills during the night game during like the first half. It was the second half where that all went down. Oh. Uh, where you and, found you the know, perfect position. Yeah. I, <laughs> hey, we won the night game because like TSS just didn't have the objectives, I guess. So I, <laughs> and they all just left. So we we so, chose not to play the night game for fear of stepping on every nail that was pointing upward and the copious amount of manhole covers that Man were removed. Yeah. Oh, really, hey? Oh, I was walking off the field the second day. I'm like, I'm not going to play the night the night game, and I almost stepped in a manhole. I'm like, nope. 
Certainly not. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Dinner was better yeah. than the ER. It was good. <laughs> yeah, Dinner was luckily, really good. luckily there was a lot of moonlight, so like you really didn't even need night vision to navigate the outside portions. Every time we yeah. do these mill sims, I'm always like, oh man, I'm so looking forward to that night game. And then every time the sun starts going down, I'm like, huh, so dinner then. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's like, not that we didn't goes. pack fieldable dinners, right? Like, we all had yeah. snacks and food we could have. And there were the food trucks. Yeah. We and could have stopped at a food trucks, truck. Yeah. Or, or we ended up going to Pancho Villa's and having some steaks and shrimp, and, and it was delicious, and we had some beers. See, that sounds a- way better. That yeah, sounds way better. <laughs> I remember many, many years ago, we tried to do an overnight game uh, here in Newfoundland. And um, at the time, like night, night vision is still prohibitively expensive in Canada. But at the time it was like, you just could not get it. Even if you had the money, you, you just couldn't get it. And, uh, but we're like, no, we're going to do it anyway. Flashlights, white light, et cetera. And like, we're, we're on the field. We're like, yeah, we're having a great game and it's dusk. And we're like, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then the, the sun actually set and it's like, wow. It is really dark out here. Like it's super dark. Yeah. And we're basically like in the woods in basically pitch darkness. We're like, I don't think this is going to happen because if you uh, if you've um, heard me talk about like our old field where you play Redcliffe, it's an old rundown USAF radar site, and that's full of like exposed manhole covers, small holes, rebar, glass, tiles. Basically anything that's, uh, you know, that wasn't nailed down that you got knocked over. So I can, I definitely appreciate the appeal of being like, hmm, so maybe we, cause that's, and that's what we ended up doing. We're like, so uh, are we doing a campfire and then dinner then guys? It's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. One of the things I was curious about too, you know, this event, uh, we already mentioned the airsoft celebrity that is Sam. Uh, we've also of course got <laughs> Eric here. Uh, who you know runs a YouTube oh, channel so and famous. you know the event is run by Jet Desert Fox, right? Which most airsofters who are listening to this would know, even if they don't follow his content, they would know who Jet is, right? And so we talked as well in the past about how having you know quote unquote airsoft celebrities or you know more famous players at those types of event can sometimes disrupt the flow uh, in some ways, like they get special missions and then they just do a bit of an engagement and then just leave or, or whatever else. So I was just curious from your perspectives and, you know, as well from your, your perspective, Eric, as the ERT commander, like were there other well-known players hitting the field that were, you know, um, you know, taking part in the action, so to speak. And how did the game flow as a result? The celebrity celebrities, because I honestly did not recognize anybody because the only YouTube airsoft channel I watch is uh, storm riders. Uh, my man but as we're walking around wow. Chaz is like Chaz is like hey that's Dutch the Hooligan hey that's that guy and I'm like hey neat I okay uh, but they were just like in the squads with regular dudes doing regular stuff the only like yeah. celebrity who was doing anything was Jet himself because he was running the event Working. I saw him and driving around mm-hmm. his Tacoma making sure everything was great so and, I had uh, two interactions with uh, with with celebrities so Jet here it is lunchtime. We're all back at the parking lot. We're, we're feeding our faces. And here comes Jet in his Tacoma, pulls up to the trash bin, changes the, pulls the trash out of the thing, wraps it all up, throws it in the back of the truck. And I'm like, thanks, Jet. That was because the trash was overflowing. And he pulls, he backs up and he leans out and he goes, if I don't do it now, the city of Victorville is going to call me up and they're going to make me come and do this. 
<laughs> he was literally emptying trash. Not a very, he wasn't slaying anybody. He did not work, you know, he didn't have a gun all weekend. Now, his mm-hmm. wife, Leah, she was out there running around. Uh, my buddy Steve knows her, and they started chit-chatting. Uh, very nice lady. Um, and then for lunch, before we got back to lunch and seeing Jet emptying trash, um, I we, we go back to grab our fob bags to head back. And we're, we're walking back towards the parking lot, and this guy comes up, and very tall dude, and kit that I've maybe recognized. I'm not sure, but then he turns around and it just says Dutch the hooligan on his back. And I'm like, Hey, are you Dutch? And he's like, he turns around and he's like, yeah, you know, in that voice, you know, of course he's always got his face covered. It's like, nobody knows what this guy actually looks like. Um, but I'll sell uh, the knowledge for uh, $100. Yeah. One <laughs> bottles. Of one, whiskey, that, whatever, that cheap, huh? First. Every man has his price, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know, my knowledge is literally just giving me reciting it from memory. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Cause I was, uh, <laughs> he has a mustache. <laughs> so he was, uh, yeah, he was, a, he was a nice guy. He's, Basically, the way he is on his videos seemed to be the way he was. He we just chatted, chatted. You know, he last summer he came through. He kind of just swept from California across the country, just playing different fields. And he stopped at two fields in Colorado, and and we had a conversation about that. And you know, the first place I, I ever played myself. I played with I played with him the day that he was at one of our local fields. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, he was super low key. Um, definitely like into and engaged with all the 10 year olds or whatever at the field, you know, that were just like mobbed him. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. He seemed like a pretty good guy. I didn't see yeah, him at this event. It was the 10 year olds and me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jazz is a different, def, different experience for you too, Eric, I guess, from the standpoint of you being the people that you being, excuse me, um, you being the person that people will or may recognize. Right. Well, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. You know, there, there was a there was an average number of people, I would say, like, I, I go to a lot of events. And a, at a lot of those events, I've got like a pretty decent number of people who recognize me. But I think it's like, I, I've, I've also tried never to make it like a weird, like, fan things. I'm like, I just make videos about a hobby I like. This is nothing special. Any of you yeah. can do this. Uh, <laughs> legit a hundred percent look li- at me right literally like a- any anyone can do this so i don't feel like i do anything special yeah. so I, I just had very chill very good interactions with a lot of people and even the people who like didn't know me they were like oh well you're the ert commander and like you're a point of contact as like a customer service rep and what's going on with the game <laughs> and how does the app work and no literally like that was the kind of work i was there to do like you know that's that i think is why the Desert Fox model is to try to find, you know, influencers is is the the industry word if you want to use that word, uh, and you just try to find those people who have enough social skills that can they can really like transition to that role of having the support of an experienced like Milson West cadre or military member to then try to do all of the organization uh, with players, and that and that was the side of it that I really got to see a lot of. Uh, mm-hmm. but then in terms of like who else was there, like Dayton from house gamers was there. He was running an RV, not an RV, excuse me, an RCXD. Uh, so we had like a little mini RC tank called bubbles. Oh, I got shot by that out thing. There. Yeah. He was on our team. 
Well, he was no. playing around with it, and he was, and and somebody oh, says, yeah. "Shoot that guy!" And then I proceeded to get shot, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know that I really consented <laughs> to that, but okay." I was already I dead. Actually, I was. Go ahead, Sam. I actually walked right in between. So Dutch the hooligan, uh, the house gamers guy, and uh, airsoft Alphonse. And didn't oh, yeah. even recognize any of them. I just <laughs> I looked at the video later, and I'm like, "That's Alphonse. That's that's Dutch, and the guy from with the, with the with the little remote control car." Yeah, Dayton. And, and I just said, "Oh, that's cool," and just walked right in between the middle of them. <laughs> well, so the goal for Desert Fox events, I think, as much as anything, is to be like an airsoft con as well like to have Mm -hmm. have like that draw as well of being like yeah there's like a game going on and everything but there's also the camping out and the friday portion and like you're playing with all these like content creators and notable people like it really is trying to appeal to like the con crowd i think in in a way and and model that model that style of game and i i think that's a pretty good idea you know when especially when i think the games can be run pretty good when you have uh when you have all the right people in place and we're lucky that you know, Leah was like kind of just a player. I, I don't want to say that like, oh, she was just a player. Like, oh, how dare you just play airsoft? But uh, but she wasn't like doing admin stuff other mm-hmm. than cleaning up garbage and like doing with check-in and setup and everything. So she was still. Uh, but that's the role that you have to find for all the different people you're going to bring in as well of like, okay, if you're going to have like influencers out, they also have to add value to the game. And that's the balance that I think Josh, Brian, and Jet really focus on of like, hey, just making sure that everyone we bring out uh, is going to, you know, know what the job is and be able to do the job or at least like create major enough content that it's actually going to be worth like if we gave them a free ticket. I think that's well, and a- actually, oh, I was going to say well, that I think that's a fair statement because it there were people wearing stuff that I would never I've never seen on an airsoft field, even on mm-hmm. a pickup game before um it was almost towards a larp but but the idea of of like a a con kind of event you know where people dress up and you know i i mean i don't know anybody that would ever make an n7 suit or you know or a a warhammer for 40k you know i I, like and do that yeah what kind of loser would do that am i right so so fun fact i'm only going to mention this because jet (laughs) mentions it in the video that i filmed with him after the game uh, but they are looking at a power armor class. Oh, wow. So while we're discussing this, I actually, because of the con, uh, atmosphere here, I'm rebuilding my Mandalorian with only black and green parts. Nice. I'm taking all the tan out of it. Let's I'm like go. some people, I'm not going to wear a multi-cam plate carrier and then act confused when my own team shoots me, Sam. Hey, Sorry, <laughs> actually, that was khaki. And I only I only died from friendly fire one time. Amazing. I apologize, Matt, because I, I said let's go and I should have said this is the way. I, I do apologize. Yeah. Um, I did want to say, though, I think, you know, there's something to be said about Eric mentioned about Airsoft influencers like adding value. And I come back to Matt's point that, you know, he said that, you know, you don't, you're not, you don't watch any other content than our content, which, you know, let's assume that that's, that's, that's not hyperbole for a second. The fact that you're hitting the field with all these other influencers and you don't necessarily realize that they're influencers tells you exactly that they are adding value. They are participating in the same way that other players are participating too. Right. Which is really cool. Right. Well, like the way I look at it, uh, 
is yeah, absolutely. You are 100%. But this is now what I call the Storm Riders extended universe, right? Like, uh, <laughs> like, like babies don't hit. Uh, I just want them to know because they had you on the Nomad. Yeah. They're now part of the Storm Riders universe. They get my my looks. And now I'll be following Desert Fox because of this this event I had with my buddies that I didn't even consider before, right? But I had such a good time that now I want to see what other stuff he's up doing. Can Chaz and I claim crossover status? See, because no, I, think I, I, I think we've we been to the like most a... Storm Riders extended universe events. Absolutely. Like, well, I, I see you guys are like the all-star Justice League, right? And Golden Age. <laughs> you guys are, you and guys then, are like, too I'm much. Like, this is wild. Uh, I'll just run by like Barry Allen. I'll pop into your universe now again because you guys are like Superman and Batman, yeah. right? And I'm like, man, look at look at the We're also Superman the actors suit. that need the money, so we'll show up to any <laughs> of the series, right? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, and then we have like our original universe, Phil Superman, right? Obviously, like, like the current super sexy uh, Henry Cahill Superman, right? And then I look like Sam. Okay, I'll take that. Okay, sure. Yeah, let's go. The black and white (laughs) Superman. All right. And Adam West. And it's, it's this whole thing that I think about in my head when I'm listening to Storm Riders, right? And then we've got Eric, he's like Green Arrow, just like chilling off his own universe. But he comes around (laughs) now and then. I do what I can. There's just one other question that, you know, this one, this one hits home for me in particular. And the reason is, of course, in Newfoundland, we have a very small airsoft community by comparison to some of these, the other centers and and so on. Right. Um, And there is a tendency in areas that are, have a smaller play area like mine and like other parts of the world as well to look at events like this and go, especially of this scale, right. With this many players, that is the best kind of airsoft event this is the type of event that all airsoft aspire airsoft events should aspire to be and basically if your event is not like this if your community can't host events that have like hundreds and hundreds of players then your community is trash this is where this needs to be right i have opinions on this like (laughs) the thing about this and this is where i want to say is like you guys have experienced both ends of the spectrum of going to these huge games but also having smaller games that are perhaps different. And that's the question that I have for you. So what, on the one hand, like in what ways did you find uh, like a game of this, of this stature of BFLA to be super, super enjoyable and very different, but in other ways, in what other ways do you find smaller events, your community events more enjoyable than what you experienced, uh, this, you know, uh, at BFLA? Well, this was like, this is a special occasion, right? Like normally when I've gone to bigger events, okay, twice, right? Galactic Civil War and then just uh, Antioch, uh, GamePod Outpost, Evic, which by the way, I thought it was Evike. That's weird. Uh, Me too. uh, (laughs) It is, it is weird, but it is Evic. But besides that, I've never been to like a really big thing. And I've played Airsoft for five years now, perfectly happily in my, in my hobby every weekend going to the three fields within a certain distance of me and playing all that stuff and being perfectly happy with that. And this was just like that, but it was on a bigger scale. Yes, it was big, huge, 850 people as compared to my local 80 every weekend. Right. But it was the same layout of people. It was the same feeling of camaraderie. It was just in a bigger, big, big way. Like it was longer than your weekend pickup game, but it had the same, uh, it wasn't more valuable necessarily. It was great. We had that experience. It was awesome. I met some dudes. I met a whole lot of people I never would have seen. I, I ran in a huge field in a big egg circle. Uh, 
but ultimately you can get that feeling on any airsoft field that you're willing to put in an effort with the other players and be like, Hey dude, let's be friends and play in this way and, and work together. And like, that's, that was the moment for me. Like you said, those moments we work for, right? There's nothing better in airsoft than turning around after you said, let's go guys and seeing three or four rentals charging up behind you and being like, yes, they did. Oh, hit. they did it. <laughs> and that's, that's what it was like awesome for me. Just that on a huge scale. So no, like my regular skirmish games are going to be just as fun every day. They were just as valuable. They're just as cool. But I'll admit that on these bigger scales, it feels more like those are practice when I don't mess up my ready ups, my reloads, or my <laughs> side transitions, right? Because I've been concentrating on them so much at my weekend skirmishes. So Eric, you have some opinions on this too? Oh, well, you know, my, my opinion is that like, you know, if you're purely evaluating game design and game experience, I've had proportionally probably more small games that were incredible than I've had big games that were incredible. Uh, you know, this game I thought was incredible for a lot of the reasons that we laid out and like, honestly, getting to meet like you guys and, you know, play with you guys as limited as my time with you guys was in terms of trigger time unfortunately. Uh, but just getting to meet and play with so many people that like I've only interacted with on the internet or people that I don't get to see often enough. Like that was really special. Um, but any game is only as special as the community that's there. Right? Like I've had games where we've had 50 to a hundred people there that everyone was very tight knit and everyone knew each other. And the game was absolutely incredible for that reason. And then you go to a game that's 850 people if the community there sucks, just having more people doesn't make it better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my opinion is that this whole game is only as good as the people you play it with and the attitudes that they all bring to the game. So when everyone brings a good attitude and is having a good time, the scale is just a different way to play the game. Exactly. There's something that we, um, that there's a, that, a local field, it's a paintball field. It is, you know, every day of the month, except the last Saturday of the month, uh, it's a paintball field. But then the, the last Saturday of the month, they always allow airsoft. And then sometimes they'll throw in, you know, we when we come off the field, a paintball group will go on. But it's always a small crowd. It's always a small group of people. And they're generally, um, you know, teams that we know and we've played with at much larger events. Um, and it's something that I've always thought and we've always said amongst each other, it's it's not the size it, because it may be 20 dudes. It may be 15. Last month it was 15 dudes. It was cold. But uh, so we went out and we played. Um, and it's not the size. Uh, it's how you play was, with them. It was the qual, yeah. Literally, <laughs> I was. I'm sorry, I teed that up for you, man. But, uh, but, but no, it's 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 the quality of the people that that go and and the time you have with them, the fun. I mean, some of the the best memories, you know, that I can think of in small just weekend games are at that field on those last Saturday of the month at at, at this little field called Dynamic uh, Paintball. Um, and, and, and and we'll have weeks or months, sorry, I forget it's only monthly, where we'll know every single person's name, right? Yeah. So when you divvy up teams, you do it by name and every you just know who's on your team, you know, by it, it's that small. So it makes it better 
and you know you're more willing to die when you know the guy who killed you yeah well yeah it, yeah yeah it's you know it's so and i think too like even if you have 400 people at a game or 800 people or whatever how many of those people are you really playing with or even interacting with at any given time yeah right yeah like i i faceless. I, mean, I can tell you the other team is faceless. i can speak from that like i had to be the point of contact for over 400 people this weekend like i feel like the whole weekend was a blur like, I mm-hmm. interacted with so many people. Like, I, I feel like I felt rude because I was just beginning to forget, like, who I'd talked to before and, like, whatever. Like, it was – I felt very rude, but at the same time, like, God, I'm also, like, talking to 400 people, so this nah, sucks. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's, really. That's hey. only in your head. Every time I saw you, you were great. It was Yeah, it was, you were great. You did a, a stellar I, job. I, I saw you I, I did, check-in going out of your way to greet new people and be like, wait, are you ERT? Yeah. Wait, are you ERT? Come, be friends. <laughs> Let's do stuff. Well, and, and that's and that's what I was trying to do. It's just by the end of it, it's like the social battery is like uh, Monday. I was just sitting at uh, Jet and Leah's house waiting for my flight. And I'm just like, we're just there watching The Expanse. And I'm just staring at the TV like, oh, God, it feels so good that they don't want to talk right now either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, was a, there was a moment where, you know, I was – I had – I had – like I had bust through this hobo hole. Like there was literally somebody, I fell through this door and that somebody had, was actually <laughs> living in this. I can't believe anyone would subject themselves on a daily to that environment. But there's occasionally squatters there. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he literally um, found a whole hobo apartment. I saw it. I can. Yeah. It. It, wow. I literally, I poked in. I was like, okay, that's weird. But uh, push through. Somebody had brought in like, tumbleweeds huge tumbleweeds to to block entrance to this and i had to just mash my way through it because bad dudes were on the other side of the building and this was the only way to get to them and i come out there and i i shoot two guys um and there's there's leah just sitting on the ground talking to a tss uh player tan player and they're just sitting there chit-chatting and i come out and she looks at me and i see the tan guy and he doesn't have a dead rag or uh, anything on, oh, by the way, totally going to be uh, using the uh, PT, the the hyper high-vis. Yeah, that is yeah, totally going to be oh, my big yeah. takeaway from this game. That is now my dead rag. No more red, dead rag. Nobody cannot Neon see that reflective. thing. The high-vis is honestly like one of the best innovations Desert Fox Events has. Yeah, I think he took that from Milsim West. I think that's a... a so Milson West does not use dead rags, period. You lay on the ground when you're oh, dead. Thank God. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Being yelled Which at is, for a guy uh, who's, who's yeah, like, so, hey, you're putting him past my head. I'm like, well, you're dead. Maybe you should move. Yeah. That, that was my only bad interaction. I, oh, I, I was in a building one time with a couple of guys. Like, we got shot. We were we were pressed up into a room, and there was some angles. So we get hit. and But there's people behind us who they're shooting at still. So our guys are still getting shot. And one of them like starts bitching like, Hey, I'm already dead. I literally just like grabbed him and his buddy. And I'm like, Hey guys, there's people behind us. We're going to move. And I just put us into another corner where like, they could still see that we were dead on the other side, but we were out of the line of fire for our friendlies. So it was like, all right, cool. And we didn't get shot anymore. It was this crazy thing. When you get out of the way, you don't get shot anymore. The guy, he was young. Sam was in this room with me and the guy is yelling at me and he goes, is there somebody behind me? And I'm like, yeah, that's the guy I'm shooting at is behind you. <laughs> I don't 
It's like, just move. Just once I had like a guy like, like there'd be two dudes in a doorway and you'd shoot one and he'd be like waving his dead rag as you're shooting at the other. I'm like, yeah, I see you, but your buddy's still there. You're not fooling anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, that's one of the things I think, oh, like, you know, yeah. yeah. Milsim West really did resolve that by like, cause they'll, they'll bully you too. Like there, there is some bullying in the Milsim West community if you do dumb things. Uh, and if you don't drop down when you're dead and you start whining about getting shot, people will just start yelling at like the maximum volume. Airsoft! <laughs> I've seen that in people's videos. I didn't understand yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, like anytime people start arguing over dumb airsofty things, everyone just starts yelling airsoft. That's amazing. <laughs> we should, that's a good way to that's a good way to handle that. Yeah, we should bring that to it's more play. So good. I I, also I try to like spread it as I can. Um, I think it's way so, better than red. Eric. I'll make a I'll make a deal with you. I'll I'll spread the airsoft thing if you if you spread the plasto blasto thing. That's plasto blasto. blasto, blasto. blasto. Okay. I spread that Got all it. weekend. Tell them. Yeah, every time you, you I, did, you did. You had the shirt every time on. Somebody's like, no. Every time somebody's like, hey, take a picture with me with Eric, the gun gamers guy. I'm like, I bet he is. Uh, yeah, everybody say plasto blasto. Yeah. Nice, I love it. I actually had someone on the podcast last week who said plasto blasto unprompted, and I was like, my my 2023 is made. Like, Hell yeah, this is brother. done. <laughs> I had so much fun. Then when I came out of a doorway after shooting somebody and his friend with machine gun shot me 17 times, I was not upset. I went, ah, <laughs> the whole it was delightful. Dude, the whole thing was great. The... RP the whole thing, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Dude, like I was, ah, like everything well, up against the wall. I hit a wall. I fell down. I was like, ah, the whole way. <laughs> now imagine that from that other guy's perspective. Now he's like, I came in through the door and there was this guy and I lit him up with my machine gun and he was just like in an action movie. Imagine how he feels about that. <laughs> yeah, I hope he feels great, dude. It was a beautiful kill all up and down. It was amazing. There were two That's times awesome. like at lunch and later that same night that I, we go back to the car, we go somewhere and I'm like taking my belt off. You know, it's a, it's like a, a Velcro inner outer belt and I peel it off. And BBs just yeah. falling off of me. And Sam goes, did yeah. you call all those hits? And I'm like, yeah, the guy with the saw who lit my back up. Yeah. I totally called that. On the other side. Yeah. I was on the receiving end of one of those 50 rounds per second. SMGs, oh. yeah, it's an experience. You really, you really don't question your death when. But it's only, it's only a duel, Sam. Yeah, um, I yeah. had a, I had a fun one. Was it the end of the? I think it was the end of the first day. I'm walking through somewhere, being all tactical and stuff, thinking I'm totally sneaking, and this dude just totally had me dead to rights. Shoots once, hits my gun, and I was like. Oh, I'm so dead right now. And he just like stopped and I stopped and I looked at him and I go, gun hit? And then he shot me again. And I was like, okay, there you go. You win. <laughs> I didn't try to like duck down or run and hide or anything. I was like, oh no, I'm so I, busted right now. I'm going to let this guy. <laughs> like a little head tilt. You're like, gun hit? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sam is a, Sam is a so very funny. honorable player. I will say that. Dude, there were a lot of you honorable players it. there. I heard parlay more than once when somebody thought they were wrong. Like, that's my bad. I, yeah, parlay. I heard, like, up. a relatively average amount of airsoft arguing, but, like, there was never any, like, serious unsportsmanlike BS. Mm, I completely awesome. agree. Yeah, every yeah, experience everyone, I had was a good one. I had some guy 
yelling at me in Russian. I like like that. I that was the only engagement where I wish I had the MP5 inside a building because they had a saw and they also had a, a, a an MP5K that was set to one joule so it could go full auto. Yeah. Um, and I know that's what they they shot the crap out of me with, but uh, <laughs> and I was like hit, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden they start. I could hear people back there chattering, and they didn't. You know, I the guy that we were with. This was our very last, the very last thing that Sam and I did on Sunday afternoon. Uh, uh, Eric is. He's, he's like getting people, he's like, okay, who wants violence? And he was getting people stoked and, and just, you know, okay, everyone come with me. We're going to the right. And Sam and I are like, nah, we're going to go to the left because that's closer to the parking lot. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah. Plus, weren't you going left all weekend anyway? Like, exactly. isn't that your MO? We had to go exactly. left. That literally became like our squad choice, battle really. cry, right? Yeah. <laughs> Section one, we go left. left. Because it was, it, in this particular rotation of the field, uh, yeah, that was going to be closer to the parking lot, and we were done at that point. I mean, I think the game had a half hour, maybe forty five minutes. Yeah, left. it was like thirty. There was like thirty minutes left. Yeah, exactly. It just goes. It just goes to show, though, and I love to hear stuff like this because, like, just really goes to show that all the drama and stuff that you see on social media and YouTube and all this stuff about airsoft—that's not what it's like. That's not right. Like, yeah, you get the airsoft arguing and stuff like that, but for the most part, you know, I've been playing airsoft you know 17 years this year and the amount of times that i've seen drama happen at the field i mean i can count on one hand yeah right yeah. true and it's you know if people are are, are for if people listen to this number one but you're seeing this content on youtube where people are arguing and like burning patches and full autoing people out of you know like reprisal and it's like that's not what happens like that is not a fair that's not the majority. Most of the no, time, it's, it's a bunch of nerds dressed up in all kinds of different kinds of cosplay, whether you call it cosplay or not. It's and cosplay. just I call it BB a, LARP. Know, yeah, or Plasto Blasto, as Pla we discussed. Plasto Blasto, yeah. Plasto Blasto. <laughs> but yeah, guys, I um, I've, I've, I feel very grateful for you guys coming on to talk to me about uh, BFLA. I'm also a little envious, to be honest, but that's going we'll park that for next later. Next time. Uh, next, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. You got a year to um, plan, bro. Yeah, yeah. Duh, I will, I will furnish me, your gear books. if you fly out here. I will bring you my X. That's what's going to have to happen because I'm not flying with my own gear. That, let me tell you. Listen, I, I, I get there, but I'm not coming back. All you I don't have, have to do, extra guns. All you have no, to do zero. is spend years working with and befriending Jet and Josh and then getting them to pay you to come out. That is. There yeah, you go. that sounds like just, a plan. Just, we'll that's start all it takes. I'll start doing right that. Right now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or simpler plan, I will just save the money and fly myself out, which is what the what the plan is currently. But regardless, guys, I can't thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome talking to you about this. Um, I, it sounds like you had an absolute blast. I'm very, very grateful for for all your all your stories. For those of you who are listening, if you want to keep the conversation going, we do have our Discord. The link is in the description below. You can find all of these clowns on the Discord, sharing their stories, sharing their pictures um it's you know an amazing time and if you want more details i'm sure they're happy to have a conversation with you but until then that's all we've got for you so thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next week <laughs>